Welcome to Let's Talk Learning Disabilities with Lori Peterson and Abby Weinstein. Lori and Abby spend their days talking about dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, and ADHD. They talk to parents of struggling students and adults who have had a lifetime of academic challenges. They want to share those stories along with their own insights with you. So, let's talk learning disabilities. This is Lori. And this is Abby. Welcome to Let's Talk Learning Disabilities. We are bringing you another episode in our 12-part series called Turning Struggles into Triumphs, Parenting Through Learning Challenges. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's interview. Have a great day. Okay, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk with us. Um, I guess let's just start with, tell us a little bit about you, and I know you've got some kids that have been diagnosed with learning disabilities, and then you also went through some testing, so tell us a little bit about your your kids and kind of their diagnoses and sort of what led up to your eventual assessment and diagnosis. Yes, absolutely. So my name is Jennifer, and I, I am 45 now, and I do have four beautiful children who have struggled um, from everything from ADD, ADHD, dyslexia, auditory processing, um, and then myself being diagnosed with ADHD or now auditory processing after my initial diagnosis last summer by now wear hearing aid. So just over the years, my kids struggling in school and trying to get to the root of the issues and not so much a label, but getting a diagnosis so that we can find a way for them to cope and for them to figure out strategy. And then over the years, once that settled down, I began to be able to look at myself and go, hey, there could be a puzzle piece here, which most people on the outside would be like, oh, that's a no brainer. But when you're in it and going through it, you don't think about it. You think about more of your kids and going through daily life. And now when you can actually sit down yourself and peel the onion, so to speak, and be able to Find out what's going on in your own brain. It helps you understand yourself, but it also helps you understand your children. For sure. So since your assessment, so you came to us last summer, um, almost almost a year and change ago, um, for that exact reason, like, okay, I think now that I've got my kids kind of settled, I think maybe some of this is is me too. Um, were you surprised by the results? Were you, did it make sense to you? It made so much sense to me. And again, another puzzle piece of, okay, I have this, which was the ADHD, and then going on to figure out the auditory processing part. And that was more of just knowing I've had trouble hearing. And I thought, well, maybe it's my age. So a lot of people out there are like, oh, you know, I'm just losing my hearing. Well, when you get tested for auditory processing, and most people know this, that when your children go to school, they test you for your hearing. It's usually something they do at the beginning of the year. And I mean, I graduated in 1997, but I can remember as far back as kindergarten of the nurse coming in and pulling you and testing you and saying your hearing's fine. The thing with auditory processing is they go a little bit deeper and do almost exactly what your organization does for testing. But it also goes in with audiology and mine was uh, auditory processing with a reverse slope. So I could not hear low frequencies. And I cried the day that they told me this was last, Fe- this, this February, as a matter of fact, this February of going, hey, honey, it's okay. Like I thought, okay, they're going to tell me I'm old and I need hearing aids and that's it. Well, it turned out I actually had not even been able to understand people when they were speaking. So I always found myself 
looking at their lips when they spoke. And then you can't process because you're too busy looking at them what they're saying. So my anxiety level went down because you are a constant fight or flight mode of having to pay attention to everything and everyone at the same time. So, Is it yeah. similar to, now you have a child with auditory processing issues. Are your issues similar or are they very different? It's funny. He is now 26. He was diagnosed when he was 14. And we, I know it sounds silly, but we laugh about it now because we're able to connect on a level and say, hey, I get you. Oh my gosh, yes, I hear you. And then now that I'm trying to um, go back to school myself, it's crazy that now my 26-year-old is actually helping me going, hey mom, this is what I've done. I I, I don't know if this is going to work for you. And it's a crazy fun connection through some circumstances that weren't always the best, Mm -hmm. but you have to roll with it and just or deal with what life gives you. Talk to me so, about yeah. the the hearing aids. Have you noticed a big difference, obviously, since getting them up? Yes. Um, my coworkers, I'm now a security guard at a local high school, and I love it because I'm able to really talk to a lot of the kids, and I'm just one of those sounding boards for the kids to go, I'm really struggling today, and I can honestly say 100%, I, I hear you and I understand you, but yes, I, um, I'm able to not have to talk to you you know, forward facing people can talk to me from behind. I can recognize voices um, and just being able to process it quicker. Like you would think people that answer the phone and you're trying to write down information so quickly, like a telephone number, an address, I can repeat those back quicker. And it's, and a lot of people get confused that auditory processing is something to do with your hearing itself, your eardrums, it's actually your brain processing and trying to actually get the information. So it's like a delayed signal. And so, yeah, my anxiety level has gone down. I'm able to be more productive at work, which has helped with my ADHD. So it, it, there's puzzle pieces that are connected. So, yeah. And did you, um, did you ever treat the ADHD? Did you pursue medication or? Oh, 100%. So I had been diagnosed medically going to the doctor, you know, going through my childhood and going through therapy and all this stuff. Um, I had been on medication for about five years, but I just kind of wanted a more deeper diagnosis of, okay, is it ADHD with dyslexia? And it turns out I do have a little bit of it, but it's not enough to be diagnosed, but it's just something that I know I have to work with. Um, and I went off the medication actually this summer just to try to see if I can wean myself off and see if it's like, oh, maybe, you know, you're doing a little bit better with your hearing aids. And it turned out, no, that did not work. It worked for maybe about six months. And I realized things where I was forgetting things or I could feel my anxiety level going up. And it's really hard for somebody who doesn't have it. They look at it from the outside going, you're just lazy. And I know that's one of the biggest frustrations for myself as well as my kids of being labeled lazy, bush, you know, and people get frustrated with them. And then that actually kicks in your anxiety and depression where people literally go, really? And you just feel less than because Mm -hmm. in your brain, you know what you want to do and what should be done. But sometimes there's just limitations there. And then you have to come up with accommodations for your own self of being on time, being where you need to be. And people think, well, ADHD. And when my kids were diagnosed with it, I was very frustrated. I thought, oh, great. This is just a medical diagnosis for my kids to say they're lazy. And for me to understand them and really, this is truly a struggle for people. And like I said, people that don't have it, it's really hard to understand and to be understanding and also give more patience to yourself. You have to give yourself patience and actually learn to laugh. <laughs> right. It's grace. You got to give yourself grace. You have to give your kids grace. Uh, yes. 
Um, and, and to me, lazy is just, it's such a four letter word because it is, it's like the go-to and you know what? I mean, as a, as a parent with ADHD of kids that have ADHD, yeah, sometimes that's the first word. They look lazy, but deep down, I know yeah. they're not lazy. They just don't know how. Yep. And then when you add in, like one of them was going to be diagnosed, my youngest one, she's so sweet. She's 14 now, but she was diagnosed in kindergarten. She's the one who struggles the least um, with it because they caught her early. Yep. They were able to get her dyslexia. And that's all she had was just the dyslexia. But it goes into more than that, like, which is why I want to get into the mental health um, and go to school for this. So she turned out she has OCD and, and it's like, I just want to please you. I want to go to the teacher and say, look, I want to do this for you, but I'm struggling. And one of the biggest things I could tell people is I can count. I've lost count of how many times my coworkers or parents would come to me and go, Jen, my kid is struggling so bad. And I feel like the teacher's frustrated. Of course she is. I get frustrated as a, as a parent and Teachers are teachers, and yes, they have degrees, but they're also human beings. And the best way that I've described to my children and, and advice I give to my friends is I need your your kids to be able to advocate for themselves and say, listen, I know you must be so frustrated with me right now, and I know this must be really hard for you to teach me, but is there any way you can teach me in another way? Because when we have learning disability, the teachers or whoever try to teach you they're just like, follow this direction and follow what this says. Well, if you have procedural dyslexia or dyslexia or ADHD, whatever you have, that method is not working. And we have to come up with teaching somebody five, two, three, four different ways of how to learn. And that's where the creativity comes in. Yeah. And it's being able as a teacher to go, you know, what? I don't understand either how to teach you. Let me get you somebody else. And all you're doing as a teacher is saying, I'm going to get you somebody that's going to come beside you. doesn't mean that teacher's left then. No, and it's worked. no, I agree. And that self-advocacy is so important. And I feel like that is something that so many of the kids that we work with really struggle with. They're embarrassed to ask, right? They, oh, yeah. they, they feel like two that will and two that won't. Yeah. yeah. But it's like once they do it and they realize a, how easy it is and b the benefits that come from advocating for yourself that you do end up really getting what you need. It flips a switch a little bit, you know, they start to think, okay, this was easy. I can do this. It does. And, it, and it's amazing how I've, I, I have the privilege of working at the same school when my children go and the teachers come up to me all the time and they tell me that, hey, I too struggle with dyslexia. And they say it's a joy to work with my kids and the other kids that actually advocate because they truly see who they truly are. And they're able to go, oh, wow, the kid is just full of knowledge, but it's in there and they want to help them pull it out. And they want to help them succeed. So I've seen my youngest daughter flourish going from a quiet little girl to a wrestler and a softball player at 83 pounds and 14 years old. She feels like she can conquer the world. And it makes me cry because it's a journey for them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they've gone from, and how are we going to help our children? Because the other aspect of a child who suffers from all these learning disabilities affects their grades. And then in most states, if your child is not performing properly and they don't get the proper grades, those children are benched. They cannot perform. They are not given special, you know, accommodations in that area. They're given accommodations in academics, but not in sports and not through the rules of what is made for these children. And that also affects their self-esteem. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I really do feel like, you know, it's hard to say a blanket statement that all kids with learning disabilities, you know, none of them should ever be, you know, failing a class. I mean, obviously, if they're not doing the work, or if they're choosing not to turn stuff in, there are instances where that's appropriate consequences. But for somebody who's really trying, but just doesn't understand or needs it taught a different way or needs, you know, that's a different situation. And that's where those extracurricular things are so important to boost their self-confidence. And by taking that stuff away, it's like, it's like taking away recess for a second grader, right? Like that's the worst thing you can do. I see that a lot at the high school with these children and affects their mental health. They feel less than and could watch them flourish in the classroom, but, and they just quite don't make the mark, but seeing how well they perform in sport. Um, I know my um, youngest son, he is the one who has the most severe dyslexia. He, he's going to be going off to college next year. He's 17 and he had severe dyslexia where he reads at maybe a fifth grade level, but it, but he's overcoming it. And yes, he has to try twice as harder. And is he tired at the end of the day? Absolutely. He's not your typical teenager that's going to stay out all night. He actually knows the limitations now. Of, I have to rest because my brain has to work twice as harder. And that's just something he knows going into college. Um, you know, he's got to compensate for that as well. Absolutely. And the great part about it is that those accommodations are available to him all the way. They are in the things I am finding with my children. Um, Now that my two middle ones, my daughter went off to college last year. She still struggled with school and actually is failing. And and it's one of those stories where you would hope for success. But sometimes what happens is the accommodations when you do go off to college um, are harder. You actually have to be more of a voice for yourself to say, hey, I really need help because unfortunately in two or three of the colleges that we're looking into or even that my daughter's in right now, um, yes, they can give you those, but the, it's up to the teacher. The teacher actually isn't always going to accommodate. And I know that sounds so hard for people under the IDEA Act and everything, but it's college. It's not a institution like school of K through 12. Yep. And so this is where I'm having to teach my children, look, I know you have the IEP. I know that you have these accommodations, but I need you to like kick it in level 10. And I need you to be a lion in a good way. But I want it to come out like a lamb and say, look, I want this badly, but I need your help. And nine times out of 10, those professors are hopefully going to, but that's where my children are learning grit. My children are learning Nothing's going to be handed to you. And a lot of people I know on the outside, if it's not something like um, autism, people tend to look at kids with learning disabilities. Well, you're not autistic, so you should be able to do these things. That's the hard thing when you do have a learning disability is it's not something you could physically see. Right. Um, sometimes it comes off as social awkwardness when that person is not socially awkward. They're just trying to process what's being said. And I'm actually able to help these kids at the high school when they're talking, going, what's wrong with this kid? And I'm like, guys, you know what? I, I can relate. And it, it's giving the other kids and peers around them knowledge of, hey, they're not ignoring you. They actually are a great friend. And I've actually helped friendships because my own oldest, who's now 26, their friends would come to me all the time. He just checked out. No, he's trying to process 15 other conversations in the room. And he really wants to focus on yours. And... It's just bringing an awareness to yeah. it and not a way of, oh, woe is me, but really just educating people and being matter of fact. No, absolutely. So, yeah. I totally agree. I totally agree. What advice would you give to a parent who's back at the beginning stages, either seeing their child struggle or, you know, experiencing their own struggles? My husband being a military man, he was deployed for about 
I would say, 15 years of our 20-year marriage. So I know I'm talking to some of my single moms out there, parents, or ones that feel like you're doing it alone. Because sometimes I've seen where the spouses just don't really know, how how can I help you? Um, sometimes you do feel alone. And to those people, I'm just going to tell you, write everything down. Write down what your kid is struggling with. Your your kids are, are, you are your biggest advocate for your children. And that's something I did not have. I knew when I was probably in fifth and sixth grade, I was struggling, but my mom only finished second grade and my dad had autism himself. So he didn't know how to advocate for me. So that is why people will look at me and say, well, you know what you're doing. Well, I didn't. In the beginning, I want to say to the parents, just, just keep some of their work that they're doing. Really validate your child and sit down. What are you struggling with, honey? What is it? Is it physical? Is it emotional? Because that's one thing I didn't do. I like, didn't validate my kid. I was like, all right, fine. You're just struggling. When deep down I knew and as a mother and a nurturer, my kid's struggling, but it was just so overwhelming. So just advocate. Now, the thing I would tell the parents is sometimes the school can help you, but they're not legally bound to say, oh, you need to get your kids some help. They can't do that. Um, they could say, we're going to give your kid extra help. So sometimes it leaves the parents or the caregiver to say, okay, what are my other avenues? Well, uh, sometimes the school can't always give you an avenue per se outside, which 90, almost 100% of the time is the key. So seeking out child psychologists, um, Googling and doing the research online of what, like your company does, of just a diagnostics, hey, this is my kids, let me give you the rundown of what's going on. Seeking those, and I know it is expensive. I have been very blessed that my husband had the insurance, but even though we had the insurance, the insurance companies won't cover diagnostics for learning. They will cover the emotional part that stems from it, like the anxiety and the depression. So being able to find a corporation or a company that will work with you and do payments, don't let that be something that is going to keep you from getting your kids diagnosed because we're not talking about, okay, let me just get them through school. A lot of times I am seeing a lot of children that will be pushed through the school system because the schools don't know what to do. Be that advocate for your child. Do what you can to validate them. And even though the school may not always bend and you may not always get the answers, make sure you let your child know, I love you and I hear you and I see you. Because that's I'm something working I didn't for you. do with my two olders. And I'm working for you because my two older ones, I always tell people my two older ones get the less healed version of mom of knowing really <laughs> what to do. Whereas my two younger ones got I'm giving you my all and it's, it's an emotional time for us as a family to go through the healing process and then getting my husband on board of going, you know what, this is what we would dealt with and him not being able to really understand because he would only see them for a few months at a time. Right. And understanding, okay, this is what we, you came and you left with a little kid that was struggling and then you come back with, uh, this is the diagnosis. And then like, wait, what happened? Right. And just being able to be able to come together as a family, seek counseling if you have to. It's, it's not, a, it's, it, we live in a society that's so broken that we, you know, if we get it, we're, we're weak. If we, if we don't go, what's wrong with you? Do what you know is right for your family. It doesn't matter what anybody else said. That's I, what I, I can love tell. that. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And I agree. I think sometimes moms, regardless of what the dad does, um, take the brunt of it because they're there when the kids come home from school. They're usually there helping with homework. They're usually the ones that, you know, can make all the parent conferences. And so sometimes we end up taking the brunt. And I also agree that my, the older version of my kids got a much better 
<laughs> parent than the younger yes. because you learn and that's just part of life. And you can't, if I could go back and redo what I did, but I can't and we're all better for it. So nothing you and can it's do. it's not too late. Don't beat yourself nope. up. Like I have my 26 year old and my 19 year old. I have to be, we call intentional talk. And I am intentional with going, hey, I'd really like to meet today. And this is my intention with you. What is something that in your childhood that you felt I didn't listen to? And that was so hard at first for me to hear. And I would cry. Yeah. Like, I wanted to be that perfect mom for them. And now I realize that, okay, you know what? Oh, that must have sucked, buddy. I'm sorry. Is there anything I can do to make it better? And, you know, my oldest son would say, it's okay. And I'm like, no, it's not okay. Because if it's affecting you to this day, it's not okay. And I need you to hold me accountable. So all the way around being one with one disability and children with learning disabilities, it's about being transparent. You I agree. You have to be. I agree. And that actually breaks you free of your anxiety and depression when it, you're linked to your own learning disability. I totally agree. That is such good advice. I love that. You really, so what are you studying and what are you wanting to study in school specifically? Well, and, and this is where I'm struggling now is trying to go to the school and, and um, see what they can do for me. Like saying, I, w- I would love to do psychology. I love it. And I want to do psychology and counseling for adolescents and military families and just really figuring out how we can validate some of the concerns that these people have and just being able to talk to them one-on-one in a real conversation. So going to school and getting a psychology degree, even just an associate's right now would be something huge because that would make me the first person in my family to go to college. Because looking down the line at my father and my mother, they both struggled with these things. And everybody's like, did they get diagnosed? No, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. And they struggle with what I struggled with. And so now I'm able to go, my dad who's 70 years old, dad, I think this is what's going on. And he's like, what? So yes, I would love to get a school to do that and be able to bring healing to people yeah. in general of, hey, you're not alone and it can be okay. And my advice is as a person who has it and struggles with it every day, one day at a time, one breath at a time and just breathe. And my kids laugh at me because I talk to myself all day. Okay, mom, breathe. We got this. I messed up today. And guess what? It's okay. And you yep. can't undo it and I love that. just move forward. <laughs> well, and your your life experiences will make you, I mean, it will lead to great success in a field like that because you'll be so passionate about it, having experienced it. And I feel like that helps me as well. You know, my struggles through life with my undiagnosed ADHD and, and you know, my goal is just to never have another child or adult have to go through what I went through. So I get it. hundred percent. And the I, I know it goes back to the learning disabilities. More than not, I don't think people realize how much it affects that mental health. And uh-uh. in the light, in the world we live in, we have to address it and seem able to validate it, but also give them tools. And those tools are so valuable in society, in life, in daily life, because if you have given the right tools and knowing how to use them, you're not now relying on somebody else to meet your needs. You have the tools. It's just figuring out what tools in the box to use at what proper time. Totally agree. That independence. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for yeah, taking your absolutely. time. Take your time out of your day today. I appreciate it. Your story is amazing. Please keep us posted and let us know how things go and when you go back to school and if there's anything we can do, you know where to find us. 100%. Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us today. 
In our show notes, you can find information about today's talk, as well as links to resources and other episodes. If you have questions about today's talk, have ideas for future episodes, or just want to stay connected, you can contact us through Diagnostic Learning Services on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. So, let's keep talking learning disabilities. This podcast is sponsored by eDiagnostic Learning. You can find more information at www.ediagnosticlearning.com. <laughs>